Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number four of the Disordered Podcast. If you're new here, my name's Jamie, and in this podcast, we talk about all things food related and just really striving to have a healthy mindset around food and breaking out of all the toxic traits that society and the media around us has taught us to associate with food. That's kind of my spiel. I I don't know. Let me know if you like it. Let me know if it's accurate also. But trying to get more into a little rhythm of an intro because, yeah, episode four, you know, we're, we're moving up in the ranks. So before I get into this episode, which, by the way, I'm so excited for today's topic because we're talking about the first five steps to changing the way you think about food, to have an overall healthier mindset and... Just really have a better image of yourself, be kinder to yourself, you know, be more lenient. But before we dive into, you know, all the good stuff, I do just want to take a second to thank everyone. I obviously started this podcast with the hope that people would listen, you know, obviously. But I think in the back of my head, I thought you know, that a few people would listen and, you know, here and there people would listen. So to say that I am just completely at a loss for words of how many people have listened to the past few episodes, you know, and just what I have to say in general is a complete understatement. So yeah, I'm just incredibly grateful and I want you guys to know that I don't take it for granted and I don't see it just as a number growing, but I really do see it as all the individual people that are listening. I can't really wrap my head around it so far, but I do want to help every single person in any way I can. So yeah, you know, with that being said, let's just, let's get into the the juice of the episode, shall we? So last week we talked about how to know if you don't have a good relationship with food. And today we are going to talk about the first five steps in mending that relationship. Now, before we get into it, I do want to have a little disclaimer. While these steps are very much do-it-yourself, I don't want it to come off in a way where you're in it alone, I guess. I don't really know how to word that in a good way. But I want you to know that you don't need to do these steps alone. And I really encourage you to not. I think you should talk to someone you trust about your progress and efforts and just make yourself be held accountable. You know, that's how you're really going to see progress. And don't worry, if you don't have someone you want to talk to about it, you can always shoot me a message on Instagram. My Instagram is just at Jamie Robin, my name. And yeah, my DMs are always open and I am always down to talk about this kind of stuff. Obviously, if I'm, you know, (laughs) spending 30 minutes talking about it on podcasts, I can definitely talk about it over Instagram DMs. Okay, so with 
all that actually being said, (laughs) I feel like I say that 30 times before I really get into it, but let's just move right into step number one, which is you need to change your vocabulary around food. So this step really gets me going. I am very passionate about how people talk about not only food, but how they talk about their bodies around food. This step doesn't matter if you have the best relationship with food and the best relationship with your body and yourself. If you say these things about food and about eating, you just need to immediately stop (laughs) because if it doesn't affect you necessarily, I can guarantee you that it is affecting someone around you, whether that's just a person sitting behind you in a restaurant or you know, a sorority sister if you're in a sorority, which I I could talk for days about Greek life and all that, but it's affecting someone. So a big example of this is saying something along the lines of, you know, I, I'm going to work this off at the gym. Like if you eat something and then you say like, you know, it's okay to eat this because I'm just going to work it off. Or kind of the opposite of that I worked out today so I'm giving myself permission to eat that so this is just incredibly toxic because this phrase implies that eating is a reward and the gym and working out is a punishment which could not be further from the truth and if you really want to get technical we'll just start with the technical side calories in while eating, do not equal calories out while exercising. I know that's kind of a weird way to word that, but there is probably more than a million factors on both sides of calories going in and calories going out from just a scientific standpoint. So it's completely false in that aspect. And from a moral standpoint, it's also wrong. Exercising is a celebration of what our body can do. It has so many benefits to it. It improves strength, flexibility, it improves your sleep, and just so much more. Your cardiovascular health, your your brain health, your productivity. The benefits to just moving your body every day are endless. So for you to sit there and tell yourself that it's almost a punishment for eating, it takes everything good out of it. Your body needs food. You know, you need to start being kind to yourself and stop having to give yourself permission to eat. Your body needs to eat whether you are working out or not. You know, both eating and working out are such a privilege, and I think that really gets lost in American culture. Obviously, we live in a culture that just feeds on people's needs and issues and creates issues to therefore solve them with (laughs) capitalism. So we just really lose the privilege that we have, well, we don't lose the privilege. We, we lose the mindset around it is what I'm trying to say. 
we need to stop treating them like they're opposites working out and eating because they're not we need to start doing physical activity that we enjoy and is not a chore if you hate going to the gym great that's very much possible a lot of people don't enjoy the gym so stop forcing yourself to go to the gym because you think you have to try going to a yoga class you know or go play tennis or go on walks through the neighborhood there's a million different ways to move your body to where it makes you feel good and does not feel like some kind of punishment for yourself you just need to find what makes yourself happy Because working out should never be something that brings negativity into your life. It should be a way to relieve stress, a way to build strength, a way to just let, you know, let go of the day. And when you're working out, you need to stop thinking about burning calories or losing weight. Just completely lose that aspect. Start thinking about how much stronger you're getting, how much you've improved your abilities. Just start celebrating what your body can do instead of pushing your body to do what it can't because you think you have to meet a certain goal. I think goals in the regard of having something to work towards are completely worth it. But if you have a goal solely to eat more or consume more calories and so you think you have to work out a certain amount of days that's where it's not healthy so I really challenge you to if you are working out don't take your apple watch with you don't look at the time when you start solely go to the gym or do whatever physical activity sounds good to you and see how it makes you feel And then you can kind of start testing your limits and seeing what your body can do, seeing what you can perform. If you take out that aspect of only doing it because you think you have to, to reach a certain calorie burning goal or anything like that. So other terms that can really hinder your relationship with food and eating is saying you know, I feel fat after eating that or any term that goes along with calories and physical appearance. So, you know, saying that calories don't count on your birthday or Thanksgiving or anything like that. There is such a deeply rude negative connotation around the word calorie in today's society. And so I just really challenge you to stop using it altogether. Because when you get to your most healthy mindset that you can get to, you will learn how to fuel your body the way it needs to be, and it will not be centered around calories. If you want to put it in simple term, calories, (laughs) this is really, I mean, it sounds crazy and stupid, but just hear me out. Calories keep us from dying. That is the point blank of what they do you know it sounds blunt but it's true the object of them the point of them is we need them so we can live so we need to stop running away from them acting like they're what's killing us 
they're what's providing nutrients and energy. They're what's keeping us alive. So you really just need to start thinking about the things you say to yourself while you eat and while you aren't eating. You know, are you being kind and forgiving towards yourself? Or are you guilting and punishing yourself with your words? You know, saying that you you feel fat after eating something. People look at what you say or listen to what you say rather. And they automatically compare it to themselves. So this is a big one, you know, if if you're sitting in a group of people and maybe you ate a little bit past comfort, so you just say, oh, I feel fat or I look fat, I'm so bloated. Someone next to you is going to look at you and say, well, if she's bloated, then wow, you know, I, I must really be, you know, even more so. So your body's going to fluctuate in being bloated in X, Y, and Z. So why do we always feel the need to vocalize it? And all it does is make us feel worse and make others around us feel worse. So just, I really challenge you after you eat, even if you are feeling your worst, just don't vocalize it because speaking it out loud only hurts yourself more, hurts other people around you. So really just start being mindful around the words you are using when talking about yourself. Really practice being kind to yourself and only saying kind things. So that moves us into the second thing you can do to improve your relationship with food. And that is really pay attention to how social media makes you feel and take steps accordingly. So I'm not going to sit here and say that you need to delete all your social media accounts and just never go on any kind of social media again. Obviously, I'm 22 years old. I love social media. I use it regularly. And I don't really think it's the worst thing in the world if you have a healthy relationship. And I think probably 90% of people don't have a healthy relationship. So for me personally, I've kind of gone on and off of using social media, not using social media, but the most recent experience I've had. So I have cut off Instagram scrolling pretty much a year ago, I would say, but of course I'll get back into it and just scroll and scroll and scroll and then I'll cut it off again and then I'll go back in, but I don't go on Snapchat stories. I don't look at other people's stories. And then I go on TikTok maybe 10 minutes a day. I respond to the people that Snapchat me. And I try not to scroll on Instagram, just post. Well, per usual, I was going on Instagram more and more and more. And so at the beginning of the summer, I just said, I'm going to completely delete the app for three months until August. And I just want to see what happens. I want to see how I feel. And of course, I feel like I sound like every other person that goes away for social media for any amount of time and then they come back and are, you know, oh, I'm a changed person. I'm cleansed. (laughs) But I really can say the difference that I noticed while not going on Instagram, not looking at people's Snapchat stories. And in those three months, I also completely got off of TikTok. So the only real social media part I was using was responding to my friends on Snapchat. And I was 
posting on my story occasionally, but Instagram, I was not posting, not scrolling. And I got Instagram back at the beginning of August and I just posted one post being like, you know, this is what I was up to this summer. Immediately after I posted it, I was so anxious because I was just sitting there like, oh my gosh, now everyone knows what I'm doing. Like, what if this person sees this? What if this person sees this? Oh, what if so-and-so is doing this and they don't think I'm doing enough? And the amount of anxiety that came from sharing pictures was uncanny. It was, is that even the correct usage of uncanny? I don't know. Sometimes I use words and I have no idea what they mean. But anyway, regardless, it was crazy how much anxiety came from that one post and that's kind of when I started being so much more mindful of my time on social media and that's kind of what I think we need to start doing when we go on social media typically it's to escape something it's just to entertain ourselves especially when it comes to TikTok it's just to kind of mindlessly scroll and when we get done with you know, an hour passing, two hours passing, a lot of times we're overstimulated and don't even know what we just watched, what we just, you know, we can't, we don't have time to process how the social media makes us feel because it's so fast paced. And that's where it I'm really toxic because especially on TikTok, we're not used to being that overstimulated with our emotions where we're crying one second and the next TikTok we're laughing. Our brains aren't used to switching our emotions that quick. And just in general, our generation has more issues with depression, anxiety, all that kind of stuff. And really what it boils down to is if you look at past generations, they are seeing the people around them And they're seeing the people around them in their lives at certain moments. We are seeing millions of people in what they're doing for hours every day. We're seeing the best part of their lives every single day. A million different people. That's not normal. And that's why we feel the way we do from social media. Is because we're comparing ourselves to a million people when, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you would only see the people around you and what they're doing when you're around them. I don't know if I'm wording this the way I want it to come across, but hopefully you're getting what I'm saying. What I'm saying is social media just shows the best parts of every person's life and random people that we don't even know, that we would not be seeing if we weren't on social media. And once I stepped away from Instagram, I realized that I just felt so much more secure in my own life. I felt very happy with my life. I felt so content. I didn't feel like I needed this, you know, hustle culture kind of vibe. I just felt so much more secure. And I just noticed that my relationship with my body, with food, was so much better. So I really want to just challenge everyone. When you do go on these social medias, Be so mindful after every post, every TikTok, every Snapchat story. See how it makes you feel. Start getting rid of the ones that don't make you feel good. Unfollow that person, even if, 
you know, even if it hurts their feelings, sorry. But it's Instagram. People need to stop looking into followers and that whole thing so much because it's Instagram. It doesn't mean anything. So really just pay attention to what makes you feel good and what doesn't and start getting rid of what doesn't make you feel good because nine times out of 10, it's not necessary. All right, so now we're going to move in to the next couple reasons. I'm going to combine these reasons because I think they do go together and that is never restrict any food group and stop comparing your plate and needs to other people. So we talked a lot about restricting food groups in the last episode and why that is just so toxic. So I think if you really want a deeper dive into that, go ahead and listen to that episode because we're more so going to focus on comparing your plate to other people. So a lot of people will look at influencers and just their friends in general around mealtimes if you're eating with other people and automatically compare what they're eating. If that person has you know, an ideal body that you think you want, they will try eating like them. But I think what people fail to realize is you're seeing 5% of their daily intake and their needs are different. You don't know what they're struggling with. You don't know what they do at night. You know, you don't know what they're dealing with. So we should never, ever, ever compare what we are eating to other people because what you're eating and what you need for that meal is the complete opposite of what someone else might be needing. So you just need to stop that comparison altogether. And that goes along with restricting food groups. If someone else isn't eating a food that you might deem as the word, you know, bad that we again talked about last week, how that word doesn't exist. But if you deem a food as bad and that person also isn't eating it, you feel more inclined to not eat it. But you need to start challenging yourself and listening to your body and get rid of that word bad and start really eating what your body needs regardless of if other people are doing it too. If you sit around and wait for everyone else to get on the same wavelength and to not trigger you, you're never going to heal. And that's what took me a while to realize was I think I was so stuck in the mindset of why isn't everyone listening to my struggles and being mindful of my struggles whenever people were doing things that would, you know, kind of be categorized as a trigger. But I think I just soon realized that everyone struggles and the people that don't don't realize that some of the things they say are part of the toxic diet culture and can be very triggering, which in next week's episode, we're going to talk about just how to really have a better conversation around diet culture and around people who are struggling. But I think what I just realized was not everyone's going to be on the same wavelength. So I really just need to take the initiative and I can control what I do. I can't control what other people do. So I need to stop trying. I need to eat what I need to eat regardless of what other people do or say. And that took a second to get to that place. But once you do, it's just so freeing to know that you don't get triggered easily and you don't need other people to validate what you're eating or not eating. And 
it's a really great place to be in and I do think you can get there. All right, so that brings us into our final way to start having a really good relationship with food. And that is to never let a clock or anything else dictate when you can or cannot eat. I just remember growing up and my mother would always tell me that you couldn't eat past a certain time, that it was just so bad for you. And that was just so instilled in my head. I would sometimes be so hungry past this time, but in my head, since I grew up with that, I would say I can't eat past that time. But here's the thing. Then they came out with this argument, they being the media, saying that, oh no, now you can eat past that time. You just can't eat before this time in the morning. And so now I'm sitting there like, okay, so now I can eat past this time, but I have to wait in the morning. And then they came out with another article saying, oh no, that was actually proven wrong. You can do that, but now you can't do this. So all that to say, there is always going to be a new quote unquote rule that someone comes out with disproving the last. But the thing is, your body, like we've been saying a billion times, has a hunger cue. And that means that you are hungry. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter if it's not lunchtime, if it's not dinner time, if it's not breakfast time. If you're hungry, your body is saying it needs energy. So we need to stop listening to this clock that doesn't exist. And that's really what has helped me so much is if there are times at 10.30 a.m. and I'm hungry for a meal, I'll eat a meal. It doesn't matter if it's not lunchtime or if I just ate breakfast. It all balances out is what I've realized from doing it for a while is, okay, I eat at 10.30 a.m. I eat a meal. Okay, then I'm not hungry till 2 p.m. I eat a snack. And then, you know, it, it all works out. And I think I was so scared that I was just going to overeat all the time. And then I realized, hey, if I'm listening to my body and I stop when I'm full, it is impossible to overeat. It's impossible. So just stop listening to what society tells you is normal for an eating time or not normal for an eating time because it doesn't exist. Your body knows what it needs. And that is literally the theme of any podcast I could ever give is that your body was designed by the good Lord above to know exactly what it needs. So it is pointless to sit there and argue with it. Anyway, so that's that. That's for today's episode. These are, like I said, just the first five steps. It's no one size fits all. So just really start listening to what works for you and what doesn't. Anyway, I will see you guys. No, I won't see you. You'll hear me. You'll hear me in the next episode. But until then, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And yeah, talk to you guys later.